teaching us the doctrine here of regeneration, that we were a new creation. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 tells us we are a new creation because of what Jesus did on the cross. His Spirit now is working in our hearts and in our lives to make us a new creation, a new person. And because we're a new person, we also know the ministry of reconciliation. What is the ministry of reconciliation? Well, you know that when you've been maybe in a relationship with someone and, and something has happened and, and maybe something has severed that relationship, there's a separation, there's a broken fellowship there where a sin broke the fellowship with the Father. And the only way for us to restore fellowship with God the Father was that He would send His Son Jesus to be born only to die on the cross for our sins so that we can be reconciled once again to the Father. And this was all a part of God's work. This was part of God's plan that He pursued us while we were lost, while we were in our sin. And can we thank God for that even this morning? Thank you, Lord, that you pursued us. While we were in the wrong, while we were living in sin, while we were lost, while we were enemies of your plan for our lives, that you pursued us, your love pursued us, and that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. But now after he said, you were a new creation, that new creation comes also with a new commission. That's so amazing that when God has made us a new creation, He also gives us a new commission. And what is that new commission? This is a new commission that we ought not to take lightly. And I pray that today you don't take this message lightly because it has everything to do with what God has called you to do now after you have been saved. You see, sometimes we're saved and the grace of God overwhelms us and takes over our lives. But then we sit on the grace of God and the Lord has called us to rise up and build on that grace of God and be ambassadors. The title of today's message is The Need for Ambassadors. The Need for Ambassadors. Why is it that there are needs or there is a need for ambassadors in the church? Well, Paul calls himself, I am an ambassador, he says. I have been reconciled to Christ. The ministry of reconciliation has happened. I get to now be reconciled to Christ, but also I get to represent Christ and talk and speak on the behalf of the Father to reconcile others to Christ as well. You see, let's read chapter 5, verse 18 of what he tells us here in Scripture. Now all things are of God, 2 Corinthians 5.18, who has reconciled us to Himself. This is God's Word, reconciling us to Himself. He removed all sin, all separation, and draws to Himself through His Son Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. He has given us this service of reconciliation. He's the one that pursued reconciliation and then He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, what is that ministry? He defines that now in verse 19. Let's read on. That is, that God was in Christ. God made Himself flesh. God made Himself human. Verse 19. And what did He do? God made Himself, and He was in Christ, reconciling the world. I love that word, the world. John 3, 16, it said, For God so loved the world. 
That is the whole message of Christmas, is the love of Christ to the world now demonstrated on the cross, the birth demonstrated on its way to the cross. Reconciling the world to Himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. It has committed to us the word now of reconciliation. Now this is amazing. Verse 19, there is so much comfort that we can draw from it. I love that it says here, Paul speaks so loud and clear. And he said, not imputing to them, not imputing to the world their trespasses. God did not hold our sin against us. In fact, he said, I'm going to send my son. And he's going to pay the penalty of your sin. I'm not going to hold that, that, the shame and the penalty and the judgment of your sin against you any longer. He did not impute, here it says. He did not hold it against you, our sins. In fact, he sent his son to pay the price for their sins so that we can be reunited. Our sins separate us, but God pursued us and his son reunited us. And that's what he's telling us. That is the message of reconciliation. But what is the word of reconciliation that he ends with in verse 19? Well, he's saying just like you have been reconciled to God, he has also given you a word. You have a word that God has given you. Maybe today you came and you need a word. Sometimes you say, I just need a word of encouragement. I'm coming to church because I need that word that God wants to speak to me. Well, this is the word, the word of reconciliation. He has given us the word of reconciliation. What is the word? The word is the message. Now God gave you a ministry. What's that ministry? To be reunited with Him. But also He gave you a word or a message. This ought to say, Christians, we ought to be on a mission. We're on a mission now. Because He gave us a word. And what is that word? That word is just like you have been reconciled to the Father. He has given you a word. And He's saying, I've called you also to reconcile others to the Father through Jesus Christ. I've called you to be reconciled so that you can represent now this message of reconciliation. Do you know that everywhere we go, we're representing this message of reconciliation? That no matter what we do, we're representing a message of go back to God and you can do that through His Son, Jesus Christ? Through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross? Not because you're good enough, not because you've met a certain standard. Because Jesus Christ did all the work and He paid the penalty of our sin. And now He can be reconciled and we have a responsibility. We have a commitment now to take that word to other people. And therefore in verse 20, as we open up in today's message, He's going to tell us, Now then we are ambassadors. This is amazing. Now then we are ambassadors. Now that you've realized that He's reconciled you to Himself, you're an ambassador. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're an ambassador. You're an ambassador for Christ. We ought to know that. Sometimes we're so distracted or maybe we're so consumed by what we want to be, but this is the name. This is now the calling that God has for you and for me. And I'll tell you, this is more than just a title. This is more than a position. An ambassador is a lifestyle. And we're going to learn three things about an ambassador today. Or what it means to be an ambassador for Christ. This is, what an honor it is that we get to call ourselves ambassadors of Christ. Ambassadors of the Father. And specifically today in this season, we get to be an ambassador for Christ. 
And we're going to see three major works of the ambassador. Number one, the work of an ambassador. What is the work of an ambassador? If that's what I'm called to do. Number one, the work of an ambassador. Number two, the message of the ambassador. What is the message of the ambassador? If it is that God has called me to be an ambassador, what is the message of the ambassador? And number three, the need for an ambassador. Why is it important to have ambassadors for Christ? Why is it that Paul chose through the Holy Spirit to use this word ambassador? This is, ama- this is an amazing word. Because he's going to tell us this in verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your word. And we ask, Lord, right now that you would awaken us to be ambassadors for you. Lord, that we would know what the work of an ambassador is. That we would know what the message of the ambassador is and why there is a need for ambassadors in the church. Lord, we thank you because you reconciled us, but then you also called us to reconcile others to you. And that ministry and that message of reconciliation, it's all about peace with God now. We pray for all those in our family that do not have peace with God. We pray for those in this community that don't have peace with God, that we as ambassadors would take the message of Jesus so that they would have peace with God. In Jesus' name we pray. And together we said, Amen. Now we know this. He says, now then, now then, now that, we've, now that we've now settled that, now that we all know that reconciliation means peace, now that we all know that reconciliation means unity, now that we all know that reconciliation means fellowship and communion and devotion, now then, verse 20, we are ambassadors for Christ. Now, what's an ambassador? We're going to look at the work of an ambassador. Number one, an ambassador is a representative of a king. And an ambassador is a now term that is used for an elder or a leader or one that's given responsibility. Notice this, an ambassador has a responsibility. And you're an ambassador, so you have a responsibility as well. And I pray that today you do not take this responsibility lightly because an ambassador is much more than a messenger. An ambassador is a representative. And I want you to know the difference between a representative and a messenger. You see, a messenger just brings the message, right? But a representative is speaking on behalf of someone and is representing their honor now and their country and representing now the, not only the message, but the values and the lifestyle now. He's coming to represent. And that's what an ambassador is. It's a representative. There's so much idea behind an ambassador. Now understand this. An ambassador does not speak to please his audience. How many times have we tried to speak to please those that are listening to us? An ambassador never says, I'm going to try to speak to please my audience or to please now my family members or to please those people at work. That is not what an ambassador does. But an ambassador seeks to please the king who sent him. That's what the ambassador seeks to do. An ambassador doesn't seek to speak or does ever speak on his own authority. 
Have you known that before? Have you studied what an ambassador is? He's not speaking on his own authority. He's not saying, well, I think, or his own opinions, or, or his demands. They mean very little for an ambassador. In fact, an ambassador simply says what he has been commissioned to say, but an ambassador is more than a messenger. Why? Because he's a representative. He's a representative. And what is he representing? He's representing the honor. He's representing the reputation of his country. They're in his hands. And he, his witness is so important. Just imagine an ambassador being sent by a king to another country with a message. He's representing the honor of that king. He's representing the reputation of that country. He's representing now the, the, the values of what that message came with. That's what an ambassador is doing. He's speaking on behalf of the king. He's representing the king, his honor. He's representing the king's glory now. Now, does that not give you a lot of responsibility as we are ambassadors for Christ? Lord, as I'm an ambassador, the work of me, of the ambassadors that you call us to be, is not to try to please other people. Our only sole objective as ambassadors is to please the king who sent us. It's only to please the king who sent you because you're speaking on behalf of him. You see, we are speaking on behalf of God. Now that we know this, that we're speaking on behalf of God, let's read on in verse 20 and what he says that we are saying now. For now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. As if God were speaking right through us. And I like that word through us. Because God wants to speak through you as well. God wants to speak through you to reach that person in your household. Maybe it's your wife. Maybe it's your husband for the ladies. Maybe he wants to speak through you to reach your coworker or your boss or your friend, your best friend, that neighbor, someone. God wants to speak through you as an ambassador. You know what an effective ambassador will do? In fact, an ambassador would say, I'm going to represent the king with my life so that my message actually matters. Now, what do you think would happen if an ambassador said, here I am to represent the king with this message, but the life doesn't match the message. You're not really the ambassador. You're not, the amb you're not representing really the king. The message that you bring has no power, very little power. It doesn't bring us any type of conviction. Now he's saying here, we are, Christ is speaking or God is pleading through us. That word pleading means that He is begging. God is begging through us. He is pleading. He is imploring now through us. As we are representatives through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf because of what Christ did on the cross. We implore. This is not just a, mess, a very careless message. Have you ever sent someone a message and if they get the message... They get it. If they don't, well, you know what? They don't. Too bad. They just miss that call or they miss that opportunity. Or I'm not really going to just go out of my way to make sure that they got that message. Right? Has somebody ever said, you know what? Just go ahead and give me the phone number. I'm writing it down. But you're not really writing that number down. <laughs> you're not really concerned about giving that message. But he's saying here, we're, God is speaking through us. And he's imploring now. On Christ's behalf, underline, circle that word, behalf. On Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Because of what Christ did on His, on His behalf, God is speaking through us. 
on his behalf, on his son's behalf, to be reconciled now to the Father. You see what the ambassador does here? He's concerned about this message, and this message is peace with God and reconciliation. We are taking that message as ambassadors. We are representing the king as that an ambassador. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 20, Paul names himself an ambassador as well. But listen to what he says. He says, for which I am an ambassador in chains. He was in prison. And that is that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. How do ambassadors speak? How does the Lord want to speak? He wants to plead boldly to other people. You see, an ambassador doesn't come to speak apologetically. He doesn't come to speak afraid. He comes unafraid, unapologetic, fearless, because the message that he's bringing is the message from the king. Now think about us. The message that you bring is the message from the king. And let's read verse 20 as it goes on. Through you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. Now who is he begging? Now who is he imploring? Well, who is the message going to? We implore you. There are often times where we think that the Lord is imploring someone else and not us. He's imploring you. He's imploring me with this message as well. Come back to God. Be reconciled to God. God is pleading. Be right with God. You can be right with God. That is the message that He's giving us. You can be right with God on Christ's behalf. You can be right with God because of what Christ did. In verse 21, He tells us, For He made. Now this is the beautiful message that He's giving us. For He made. You see, the message of the ambassador lies in these verses here. In verse 20 and 21 as well. For he made, this is God's work. You see, he made him, Christ, who knew no sin. Christ who had, was perfect, who was spotless, who was blameless, who was holy. He made him who knew no sin for us, sin. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. See, do we understand that, that what took place right there in verse 21? You see, God, what the Lord did is God's work. He looked at his son and his son was so perfect. His son was the perfect sacrifice. And so his son had never sinned. Jesus Christ never sinned. However, what God did, he made his son the offering for our sin to pay the judgment and the penalty of what we deserve. Do you think about what that took, how that took place? Just imagine God the Father knowing, you know, there's a price that has to be paid for the penalty of this sin. And the only way for that price to be paid of the penalty of that sin if, if, is if I send my son, if I send a perfect sacrifice in a lamb that has never sinned before. It was a son now that exchanged places with us. This is a, an awesome spiritual transaction that took place. Think about this. God, the, God took the righteousness that was in his son and he placed it on the world, on us. And He took the penalty of our sin, of our judgment, and He took that judgment, that penalty of our sin, that judgment, and He placed it on His Son. And He's saying, Son, you're going to pay their penalty. He made Him who knew no sin to become sin, to pay the penalty of our, now, judgment. You know what this is? It, it completely satisfied the justice of God for us. He's saying, let's exchange 
places now. You are right with God now. And I'll take the penalty uh, and the price of your sin. That's the entire message of Christmas right there. That Jesus Christ took your place and took my place on that cross. To pay the penalty of our sins. He exchanged places with us so that we can become righteous in the eyes of God. And that He can forgive us of our sins. Why? Because He was motivated by the love of God. It was completely motivated by the love of God. That is the message of an ambassador. But what is the need for an ambassador? What is the need for an ambassador? Without an ambassador, what happens to that message? Without the responsibility of being fully committed as an ambassador, to saying, I am fully committed to what God has for me as an ambassador. Without an ambassador, you can't receive the message of the king. There are often times we say, you know what, I really want that person to be saved. And I'm praying for them, but I'm not willing to share now. <laughs> or I, I want to see the Lord just do a mighty work in His church, but I'm not willing to invite someone to come to hear the message of Christ. You see, what Paul does in Romans chapter 10 is that he exhorts the church, he encourages the church in this very thing when it comes to being an ambassador. And he says this in Romans 10 verse 14. How then shall they call on Him? Notice this. How then shall they call Him those that are lost and whom they have not believed? How are they going to call on God if they don't believe in Him? And it goes deeper than that. And how shall they believe in Him if they've never heard of Him? And now shall they hear without a preacher? <laughs> and how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring the glad tidings of good things. Do you see how this is amazing? How Paul is breaking it down. He's saying, how is it that they're going to put their faith in Christ? If they don't believe in Christ. And how is it that they're going to believe in Christ if no one's ever told them? And how is it that someone's going to tell them and no one's ever sent? And then he finishes off and says, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things, who bring, who bring good news. What are the good news? The good news of Jesus Christ. How beautiful are the feet. The, the feet that he's talking about speaks of activity. How beautiful are the feet. Of those that are active for the gospel of Jesus Christ. How beautiful are the feet of those that are making progress. When it comes to sharing the message of Jesus Christ. How beautiful are the feet of those that are moving towards the kingdom of God. And saying we want to let others know about Jesus Christ. How beautiful are the feet. How is it that that person is going to know we've never shared. It's always encouraging to see when people step out. You take steps of faith out and you're so bold to share that message that Christ has given you. And, the Lord, and here Paul is saying, how beautiful are the feet of those with activity when it comes to evangelism. See, I was talking to a pastor 40 years even this week and he was telling me, you know what's so sad in the church? That people do not like to evangelize. It doesn't matter the size of the church. They're not interested. And we can so easily come to church and, and receive and be a part of the beautiful things that God is doing within the walls of a building. But that doesn't constitute the church, the building. We are the church, the people. As ambassadors, we're called to be sent. Do you understand that an ambassador is never called to stay? They're always called to be sent out? That's why they're an ambassador. You can't say you're an ambassador if you're by the king. 
The ambassador is the one who takes the message out. That's what makes him an ambassador. He takes the message out. Right? So now let's go to chapter 6 verse 1 as we transition in here. And he's, talk, he's going to tell us as an ambassador how he uses the grace of God for the work of God. Because as an ambassador, here Paul went through a lot of struggles and a lot of pain in ministry. And maybe sometimes people ask, you know, how is it that you do it? How do you do ministry this way? And, and how do you go through this struggle? Someone recently asked me and my wife, how is it that you're married and then you balance ministry and being married? And I was like, I wish I had an answer for that. I don't. <laughs> you know, what, what is the, the one thing that you can give someone that would really illustrate how is it that you do that with so much? But the only way answer that you really give them is it's the grace of God that enables you to do this. You see, God has grace on your life. For whatever season, for whatever struggle, for whatever circumstance that He has called you, He will give you grace in order to sustain you through that process of being that ambassador. And maybe you're going through something right now and you need the grace of God. Well, God has a supply of grace for you for every season of your life. I want you to remember that today. God has a supply of grace for you for every season every trial and every moment of your life where you need it, He will give you that grace. That's such a beautiful promise here. Because as He talks in chapter 6 about the discipline and about the consistency of an ambassador, which is true discipleship, how is it that I do this? It's the grace of God. I know people are against me. I know people don't like it. I know people are, are going to say stuff. I know that maybe my body's going to be weary. Maybe I'm going to face spiritual warfare within my house and outside of my house as I serve the Lord. But there has to be discipline and consistency in the life of an ambassador. How does the discipline and consistency look in your life as an ambassador? Because God doesn't want to send someone that doesn't demonstrate consistency or discipline. You see, when it comes to discipline and consistency, we have to consider our actions in front of non-believers. If you're going to be an ambassador, consider your actions. Because what do your actions communicate about Jesus? What do they say about Jesus? What do your actions demonstrate? What message are they giving? What are the marks of ministry that you're bearing? He's going to share with us the marks, the scars of ministry, the battle wounds of ministry. And he's saying, I went through all of this. I was able to be sustained through all of this through the grace of God. Thank and praise God for that. And he tells us this in verse 1. Now, we then... And he uses a different term now to describe now an ambassador. We then, as workers together with him. Oh, this is amazing. What does an ambassador do? He's a hard worker. <laughs> and I want you to underline that where it says workers together with him. We then as workers together with him. As God's partners here, we're working together with him. Did you know that God here wants you to be a worker for him? That's what an ambassador does. It works for God. He doesn't say, I want you to be a lazy ambassador, a complacent, maybe comfortable, maybe non-responsive ambassador. Ambassador, please go send this message. And there is a non-responsive message taking place, right? There's nothing taking place. God expects us to work together for Him and with Him. Now we then, as workers together... In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, Paul says this, We are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. What is he called here? Fellow workers. 
This idea of working with Christ. Have you ever had pride in what you do? Maybe in what you work in. You'll do whatever it takes to make sure that the job gets done while you work. You'll wake up early, you'll stay up late maybe. You'll make sure that the responsibilities and the duties, the assignments are completed. The deadlines are met. The work is getting done. Ask yourself now when it comes to the Lord, is the work getting done? Because Paul is going to talk about discipline. Paul's going to talk about consistency. And he's saying, not only am I an ambassador being sent out, I'm also a working, a working with, together with the Lord. You, well, you know what makes him an effective ambassador? That he's working. <laughs> that he's working together with the Lord. And this is such an important thing to receive the grace of God and saying, Lord, you've given me the grace of God. You've given me the supply of grace. I'm going to use it to work for you now. I'm not going to use it to be comfortable. I'm not going to use it to, to be lazy. I'm not going to use it to, to be uh, complacent now or to, or to take time off from what you've called me to do. What kind of testimony is that? Taking time off from what God's called you to do when He's given you the grace enough to do it. He's giving you that supply now. You see, when it comes to it being an ambassador, you have no power, no authority. You don't have your own agenda now. It's all about the king. And the king delegates now power. He delegates authority to that ambassador. And he reveals his own agenda now to the ambassador. And the king expects the ambassador to complete the agenda of the king. What is the agenda that God has given us today? Now the agenda is to be workers together. Now notice that word, it says together. That you cannot work together with the Lord if you never spend time with the king. How do you say, you know what, I want to work together with the king. When you're not spending time with him, how are you going to work together with him? Because together speaks of fellowship. Together speaks of unity. Together speaks of one mind. I am one mind with the king. I want to be where the king wants me to be. I don't want to be an ambassador where the king sent me here, but I'm somewhere else. I want to be an ambassador that is where the king wants me. I'm working together with him. Together is so important. There has to be unity. Specifically, if you want to see the Lord work in a church, in the Lord work in a family, the Lord work in, in a community, right? There has to be togetherness. There has to be unity. The Holy Spirit moves when we work together. Did you know that? In Acts 2, that they were working together. They were all unanimously together. And they were working together with God's plan. And the, Lord, the Holy Spirit started to move. There is strength also when we work together. Think about how when we join arms and working together with the Lord, things are getting done. Work gets done when we work together. But notice this, it's His work, it's not ours. There are a lot of times where we say, Lord, this is my work, I want you to work together with us. <laughs> Let's get this job done, God. And that's not what Paul is saying here. Paul is saying, find out what God's work is. And once you find out what God's work is, you do it with Him. You do it with Him. You don't ask God to try to join you. Lord, join me in this work that I'm doing for you. No, Lord, what is it that you're doing? I want to join you. And I want to get the work done with you. And notice how he's saying this. Because even in verse 1, what is he going to say? I also plead with you. As we're working together with Him, I'm pleading with you. I'm begging you to do what? To not receive the grace of God in vain. Well, that's heavy right there. To not receive 
the grace of God in... How do you receive the grace of God in vain? I beg you, I plead with you, don't receive it. Don't ignore the grace of God. Don't receive the grace of God and put it off. And put off the work of grace in your life. I mean, God has given you so much grace. Think about how much grace God has given us so that we can serve Him, so that we can be reconciled to Him. And we get that grace, we receive that grace, and we say, I'm just going to put that grace on the side so that I can do what I want to do, and I'm going to do my own agenda. This is a warning now. A warning now to not receive it with no effect. There are a lot of times where we receive the grace of God, but it has no effect in our life. There's been no change. There's been no demonstration. We're just happy that we got a free gift. <laughs> and it's salvation. And as long as I got that gift, I'm good. It's done nothing to me. I'm going to still keep doing what I want to do. But you know what a worker together does? What is he saying here? Don't receive the grace of God in vain. There are two major ways how you can receive the grace of God. Number one is by continuing in sin. Continuing in sin by living for yourself. That's receiving the grace of God in vain. That is a basic illustration of receiving God's grace in vain. Where you're saying, I'm still in spiritual failure because I'm living for myself. I'm still tied to those things. In Romans chapter 6 verse 1, he says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace would abound? Can we still go do those things that we used to do so that, so that, just so that we can embrace the grace of God that He always forgives us? That He's so kind, that He's so lovingly? He said, certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? If God gave you grace already, He already forgave you. Why are you living still in sin? Why are you abusing the grace of God? Why are you taking the grace of God in vain? Just imagine somebody comes and they give you a gift that you did not deserve and that you could not purchase yourself, that you could not pay for, for no matter what. They gave you that gift. What is your response going to be? Your response is going to be, how can I serve you? How can I thank you? What can I do? How can I be of service now because of this gift of grace that you have given me? Now just imagine the gift of grace that God has given us. And Paul is saying here, do not use that gift of grace in vain. It should do something to you. Number one, it should take you out of sin. Grace should take you out of sin. It is not a license now for you to sin. It's not a permit for us to sin. Grace. It should pull you away from sin to God. That is what it should do, number one. But also, you can take the grace of God in vain by not stepping out to do something for Him. By being so maybe complacent sometimes. By, by putting things off. By, by being maybe a little bit uh, uh, lacking in commitment. We're, we're not putting off the grace of God. Not stepping out. Not being a worker together with Him. You know what we should do when it comes to the grace of God? We should let the grace of God move you and motivate you. And that you should actually take steps of faith. Because the grace of God enables you and affects you. So that you can step out and do a work for Him. Notice how the church needs more of the grace of God. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, it says this, Therefore, my beloved, as you have also always obeyed, not, all, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. You've always been obedient here. Paul is telling the church of Philippi. But then he says something so... I love this. He says these words that should motivate you when it comes to the grace of God. By the grace of God, we're saved. Amen. But he says, work out your own salvation. <laughs> With fear and with trembling, serve the Lord like that. 
Work out your own salvation with fear and with trembling. Now, what does it mean to work out your own salvation with fear and with trembling? Have you ever maybe had this time or season in your life, or maybe right now, you love working out? And the more that you work out, there's growth that is produced, right? And maybe there's pain, right? Maybe as you, you walk or you're working out, you're exercising, you're stretching, maybe there's some, some sore pains as well. But there also is growth with that. How is it that you grow in your faith without working out your faith? With fear and with trembling. You notice how working together with Christ is so important? Continually work out your salvation. Grow by working out. God doesn't want you to receive His grace and become passive. And Paul knew that God gives grace so that we can work hard and that the work of God is done. That's why He gives you grace. So you see, Paul is going to explain to us Everything that he went through in chapter 6. But he's saying, I'm going through this and God has given me a portion of grace to strengthen me and give me endurance through this. You might ask yourself, well, you don't understand my situation. My situation is unique. This is why I can't serve the Lord. Well, God will give you grace in that situation so that you can still serve the Lord. (laughs) This is why I can't speak boldly. Well, God will give you grace even in the midst of that environment, so you can speak boldly, and He'll give you a supply of grace to meet that need. Do you know that God's grace meets every single need that you have in your life? It's His grace that does it. So don't misuse, He's saying. Don't receive the grace of God in vain. And I love in James chapter 1, verse 26, He says, As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. But we say, Lord, we have faith in You. But what is that saves you? Grace and faith. The faith that you have in the Lord, but the grace that you've received from Him, right? Is it allows you to work for Him and to demonstrate, I am not using the grace of God in vain. And now he talks about a response in verse 2 as we end today. Look at this response that he's going to give us. What is the response for the church? It's a prophetic response. It's a prophetic word. For he says, and he's quoting Isaiah 49 verse 8 when talking about a response. Why? Because grace should always evoke a response from you and from me. God's given me grace. For he says, in an acceptable time, I have heard you. Thank you, Jesus, because you've heard us in, my, in the acceptable time. I love that he talks about time. And look what he tells us now. And in the day, in that time, and in that day... Here it says that in the day of salvation, I have helped you. What is he telling us? The Lord is ready to listen and the Lord is ready to help in that day and in that time. I love this now. Because we're going maybe through struggles and in that day and in that time and that circumstance, His grace is so available for you to respond to it. See, don't put off the grace of God in our lives. In the day and in that time and the circumstance, He's saying, I'm listening and I want to help. This is amazing. Well, you don't know, if I, if I choose to serve God, then I'm going to hear it, and this and that. And, and I, if I, I go to church, and, and if I serve the Lord at work, and if I speak out and evangelize the people, right? But the Lord is saying, I have my grace here. I'm ready to listen, and I'm ready to help. I'm ready to listen, and I'm ready to help. And look what He says, behold now. I, love, I want you to circle the word now. Because in a different translation, it means today. <laughs> Behold, today now is the accepted time. Do not put it off. Your decision to get right with God, don't put it off. Now, today now, 
is a day of salvation. He says, behold, now look, realize, pay attention, behold, stare, do whatever you need to. But now it is, he's saying here, is the accepted time. Right now is God's time. You see, sometimes we put off the responsibility that God has given us to respond to His grace. And He's saying, now is the time now. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now is the day that He wants to save. Now is the day that He wants to deliver. Are you ready? He's so ready to say. He's so ready to listen, to hear, to help, to deliver. But are you ready? Now and today. What is He trying to do here? He, Paul here is, is quoting this verse to give the Christians a sense of urgency. A sense of urgency. There is nothing more beautiful when the church is working together with God's plan as ambassadors and representatives with a sense of urgency. Well, think about what God can do with the church with a sense of urgency. Lord, we want to serve you. We have a sense of urgency. Because when you have a sense of urgency, you don't put things off. And that's why he's saying, now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. I want to help you. I want to listen. I want to save. I want to deliver. Do not put it off. Now is the time for Christians to not live consumed with ease, with comfort, with self-focus now, and get busy about the Lord's work. <laughs> it's so easy to get distracted. Even in this season, we get so distracted. And it's, the, the sad thing is that we say it. We get so distracted, so be careful. But then we become what entangled with those little distractions instead of doing what God's called us to do. Now is the time. Have a sense of urgency. Don't live consumed with comfort, with ease, with self-focus. He's telling us here. Be busy about the Lord's work and working together. You know why he says now and today? Why is this a prophetic word? Because the devil's timing is always tomorrow. But God's timing is always today. And I want you to remember that. That will always tell you tomorrow, get things right with God. Tomorrow, repent. Tomorrow, you can start again. The devil will say, you know what, one last time, tomorrow, you can go to the, and run to the Lord. But the Lord is saying, no, I want you today. I want your time today. I want everything today. You know what made Paul an effective ambassador is that he was fully committed. And he had a sense of urgency as an ambassador. I need to get this message out. I need to get this message out. And I'm committed with discipline to do that. I'm going to respond to the grace of God today. I'm not going to wait till tomorrow to respond to the grace of God. What if you don't have tomorrow? What if you don't have tomorrow? Now is the day to get make things right with God. Today is the day of salvation. And God has a supply of grace through every struggle that we face in life. And that's what he's saying. Now is the time. I'm responding to the grace today. I'm not waiting for tomorrow. I'm responding to the grace today. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you, God. And we ask, Lord Jesus, by the power of your Spirit, God, that we would be responders, that we would be first responders. It's so impressive when we see a first responder respond to an emergency. Lord, we know there's an emergency. The people need you, God. I pray that we would be first responders, Lord, of your grace. That we would meet the needs of people around us, Lord, with urgency, God. That we would not sink in ease, comfort, or self-focus. 
That we would not seek to please others, God, but an ambassador seeks to please the king. Lord, let us remember that we don't represent anyone or anything else but you. And I pray, Lord, that you would, as you have given us that grace, that supply of grace, that we would use it. That we would use your grace, Lord, to be able to reach other people. That we would use your grace to respond to the message of reconciliation. Lord, we know that today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow. And I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't put things off when you've called us to do things, Lord. But that we would be real workers together with you.